you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my friends and family. We certainly appreciate you. The Chris Voss Show, the family that loves you but doesn't judge you, at least not as harsh as your mom does. <laughs> now go clean your room. Anyway, guys, welcome to the big show. We certainly appreciate being here. As always, we have the greatest minds, the best guests uh, of any podcast in the world. So refer to your family and friends. Go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, and the big LinkedIn group, LinkedIn newsletter, all that crazy stuff we do over on LinkedIn. Today, we have an amazing author on the show and brilliant insight into minds, life, and some of the things that are affecting us in them and how we deal with our issues and problems. Uh, she is the author of the amazing book you can find wherever fine books are sold but remember stay out of those alleyway bookstores because uh you know you could hurt yourself you could trip over something and get mugged uh she is the author of the book august 19th 2022 came out the plans he has for me a 12-week daily devotional for freedom from alcohol rose and forte is on the show with us today and she's going to be sharing her forte in this amazing book and insight and life you like how i played that i uh, love that <laughs> i love it her forte. Uh, so roseanne forte was a successful uh c-suite executive and ministry leader in the church uh she uh let's see here uh she was a working mom of four and a social drinker. Over the years, life stresses and a difficult marriage uh, created an environment where her alcohol usage increased significantly. After the collapse of her marriage, her drinking further escalated, and she felt like a fraud with church and God. She was uh, AA was not an option for her in her mind. She'd already submitted to God and didn't want to call herself an alcoholic. When COVID-19 hit, she enrolled in a coaching program to put alcohol to the side for three months. Her experience was extremely transformational, and she recognized God's instructions embedded in the entire process. She became free of the psychological slavery of this habit through this process. She identified what alcohol had stolen from her life and understood that God had a better plan for her. Uh, she felt called to document what she learned with a daily devotional so others can experience God's promises through scriptural instruction with a hope and a better plan for the future. And she's written this amazing book. Welcome to the show, Roseanne. How are you? I am wonderful. How are you, Chris? I am awesome this morning. It's a glorious, uh, what do you, would you call it, uh, Wednesday morning. People are watching the show going, it's not Wednesday, because uh, they download it over 90 days and watch it. But uh, welcome to the show. Give us your .com so people can find you on the interweb. Yeah, thank you for asking me about that because I follow you and I was expecting that question. So I developed a special URL just for your listeners. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, www.theplanshehasforme.com slash Voss. There you go. Yeah, and there you can find um, a, a resource that I developed called Freedom from Alcohol, and that will give you the five foundational principles to deal with what I call the psychological slavery of your alcohol habit. Nice. Nice. And this is a really important uh, issue that's going on. Uh, we talked in the green room before the show. Uh, how big of an alcohol issue is out there in the public? What are the stats and studies that you found? Yeah, thanks for asking, because it, this is just not in the public enough. First of all, you know, statistically from National Institute of Health uh, worldwide, it's a problem for 9% of the people in the world. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, some of the statistics are astounding. I just read something in November of 22 that said one in five American deaths of people between the ages of 20 and 49 are alcohol related. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's 20%. That's big, right? Mm -hmm. um, I read another study that said there's, a, there's been a 40% spike in liver cancer over the last wow. 10 years. And that report came from 2019 before COVID. Mm 
Mm -hmm. uh, cirrhosis of the liver is expected to triple three wow. times what it is today by 2030. And now I know that sounds like a long time away, but that's only seven years, right? Holy so, crap. <laughs> yeah. Triple. Like it was just 220. It was just 2020 a couple of years ago or one year ago or something. I don't know. It feels yeah. like Yeah. And and people don't know this. It's a it's a leading it's a leading contributing factor to so many cancers, including breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Mm. And I am just trying to spread some awareness about this, uh, about the substance, you know, and take away the focal point on a shortcoming of the individual, because I think we've been lied to about what the substance really has to offer us. Yeah, it's interesting. We were talking in the green room about how we both grew up in that era where, you know, doctors were smoking in ER rooms in hospitals. <laughs> yes. You can watch some of the old Clint Eastwood movie. I think it's a Clint Eastwood movie where he's in the hospital, like everyone in San Francisco, like smoke and the doctor's like, I don't know what this, I don't know why this patient has cancer. And, uh, you know, we went through that whole kind of period there in the seventies where they started putting the warning labels on on uh cigarettes and stuff like that and you know i remember my grandparents used to smoke heavily and they grew up in that age but uh one set of my, my grandparents did but uh it was it was kind of interesting you know because they were putting out that thing and i remember the big everyone's like ah smoking bad but you know the same sort of uh warnings are on alcohol you know they're from not, the government they're, yeah they're not yet but i think they should be <laughs> yeah, yeah there's some some warnings but not enough probably mm -hmm. yeah and, yeah go ahead yeah, and and uh, you know I I've been through the journey with alcohol. Where in my thirties I started to drink heavily. I was using it as a crutch. I was using it to bury some childhood trauma, and uh, I was you know for me it was always a fuel. It was a sugar. It was a juice, and so I'm like I'd be like oh man I'm tired. I want to work some more. I've got you know this paperwork for running multiple companies. Uh, I'll have some booze, and for me it was always it was always rocket fuel. So like I could party all night long. I could, I could do whatever I wanted. As long as I was drinking, I was having fun. I never got to a point where I was drinking in the morning. That was kind of a rule. You know, I never really drank midday unless that we were having a business lunch or someone was buying. And, uh, but for the most part, it was an evening. Sometimes it was kind of like a wind down to knock me out so I could sleep well. And I thought I slept well on it, but I didn't. And I, I kind of abused it pretty hard for about 20 years. Uh, and then I kind of reached the point where my body was like, you know what? This isn't funny anymore. The, the hangover started coming hard. You know, I'd have three beers and have a hangover and, and it just wasn't fun anymore. You know, one, one, couple hours of fun on friday night would be three days of just body drag and i started really feeling it in my body and so uh and so i started making a difference in my life and it's i started weaning off and i i kind of went through a journey like you did with covid where i was just like hey man I, I did some stuff needs to go to improve the quality of my life or you know i i wasn't sure if we were all gonna die with the you know thing that was going around and we were all kind of like i think contemplating life and you kind of went through that journey too uh in covid where you kind of looked at your life and, and wrote this book. Yeah, there's usually an event um, that happens where we go, okay, I'm done. And for me, the event um, was COVID-19. But unfortunately, when it comes to this, I don't know if you had an event that really had you snap out, but my experience is like there's a, a diagnosis or there's a problem with a relationship, a car accident, a DUI, like, okay, now I've got to, like, you know, you have a problem for years before you're ready to go. Okay, we're done. And I knew, you know, I, I'm, it sounds like you understand this, but I call it the mental gymnastics. Mm. Only after five, only on weekends, only with other people, <laughs> only on holidays, only for Valentine's Day, you know, it's like, and then, you know, what generally happens is you just start breaking your promises to yourself. And for me, that started really affecting what I call my, you know, my mental health. Mm -hmm. And um, my self confidence, my self esteem was going down. And, you know, I, I've coached some, uh, I used to be an executive coach for this. I now um, just do this more faith-based coaching, mm -hmm. but there comes a point in really high performing people's lives where you go, wait a minute, my health, like I couldn't control my weight. 
Mm -hmm. um, you know, my mental health, what, what's wrong with me? I'm like a go-getter. I, like, I can do things. I can put my mind to it and I can do it. Why can't I do this? Um, my blood pressure was going up. Um, just, you know, I was, I think I was agitated and I used to believe that was just me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was me going through withdrawals, you know, so uh -huh. just so much happier now. And, um, but it's hard. It's, you know, it sounds like you were able con to control it on your own, but most people, you know, really struggle and need some outside help with that. You know, I think, uh, and, and this is my opinion, so I'm not a psychologist, so let's make that disclosure. Please see a psychologist or see, you know, someone <laughs> for therapy like uh, Rose. Um, but, you know, what you what you speak to, and I like what you said about the excuses that we make for stuff. And we do that, you know, what you've written about and talked about and we're going to talk about today, it translates to so many other things. Because I was doing that same sort of excuses not only with booze, but I was doing that with food. And sometimes we do that for procrastination and uh, things that sabotage our success or things that, uh, you know, we, we don't want to do in life that maybe block us. You know, we make these excuses, you know, oh, well, you know, at, like when I lost weight and, and, and I, I still losing weight and on intermittent fasting and stuff, you know, I, I used to have all these food rules and regulations. And I, I had the same with alcohol, like you mentioned, where it's like, well, you know, it is Friday night. Taiwan on Saturday night. It's you know Taiwan on, and uh, this is midweek. Taiwan on. Uh, you know I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna have a. I mean I was doing at one point uh, about half a bottle of vodka a night. Now I'm a big guy. Uh, at one point I was re I had reached a point of 350 pounds. So, but I've always I've always had a high drug tolerance too. Uh, mm. So it takes a lot, like aspirin. I even have to take a lot of aspirin just to get it to kick in. I, for some reason, drugs, uh, all kinds of drugs, have a high tolerance for me, which is probably good because I would probably do harder drugs if I if they were easily if they easily affected me. And they don't like you know stuff like cocaine. It's just not even worth taking for me. It just gives me a bad post-nasal drip and, and coffee. And I, I, I think I tried that twice and I was just like, this is really annoying. I'll just go back to booze. But, um, you know, you, what you talk about, those excuses that we make, the rules <laughs> that we make and usually end up breaking, uh, are kind of the ways we self-con ourselves. You know, we, we, you know, we, you know, it's the same thing with, you know, New Year's resolution. Oh, I'll make this New Year's resolution. Yeah, I'll keep it this year. And I haven't kept it for the last 50 years that I've been making resolutions. But yeah, you're right. There's, you, there's sometimes that, that sort of point that wakes us up. What was it for you that, that brought you to the moment? Yeah. So I knew I, I had a problem, especially after my divorce. I mean, the blinds were shut. <laughs> I was by myself and I was drinking and I was like, oh, this is not good. And, and, you know, I want to I want to share this because it's it's real for a lot of people that have an alcohol problem and I if it wasn't for my faith I probably would have done something to leave the earth like I was mm -hmm. done I just didn't believe I had anything left to give and I would just be praying like take me God I'm I'm kind of ready right I, if the bus comes by I'm good right <laughs> I want to be with you right and um but apparently that wasn't the case because when COVID came and I was, if you, we can all remember this picture, right, of the news and the bodies in Italy and it's just zooming into the U.S. And I said, well, even though I'm okay with going, I don't want to go on a ventilator in a hospital without my family. <laughs> so um, that was the defining moment that um, because alcohol, again, I don't know if people know this, I did know this, that alcohol suppresses your immune system. It also mm -hmm. suppresses your lung function. Mm -hmm. I used to be a super heavy smoker, um, mm -hmm. two to three packs a day. I was just like kind of a pedal to the metal kind of person. <laughs> and um, But I quit like 17 years ago. So my lungs were not in great shape. And, you know, your immune system and your lung function were two things you really needed to do <laughs> to survive COVID with. So I just decided that's it. I need to quit. And I was scared into quitting. And I was doing it on my own for two to three weeks. But then I entered a, a coaching program. And I just, I know looking back that even though I thought at the time that would have been the last time I drank, I, I don't think without that program, I would have understood 
the the transformation that was available um, and the habit, the new neurological habit that I needed to create to just transform my way of thinking around it. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, it's and it's it's different for other people. Um, I think what I started to preface earlier, where I'm not a psychologist, is I think I think there's some people that have addiction. They have they have a you can and again, I've heard different stories on this, but there are people that are sometimes born with a gene that's passed down from their parents, or maybe it's learned behavior. Yeah, call it what you want. I'm not a psychologist, but I, I I've talked to my friends and and. For me, there was always, in my opinion, let's put it that way. I'm not a psychologist, uh, legal disclosure there. Um, but my opinion was there were people that have addiction. They have mm -hmm. they have genetic or a DNA sort of addiction to something, and they can't put it down. They jones if they don't have it. They shake. I've seen my friends, you know, visually right. shake if they don't get their uh, hit of smoke or or uh, whatever the drug of choice is. Um, for me, I was using it. Uh, as an abuse, as a crutch. I wasn't right. ever addicted to it. I didn't want it in the morning. I didn't want it midday usually. Um, and, and for me, I was using it as a fuel. But I was I was abusing it because I was abusing my body. Right. I was I was I was basically taking you know the club to myself. Um, and you know you you con yourself. You're like, hey, I'm using this for fuel. I'm getting some work done. I've got I've got some more files or accounting I'm going to do in the companies, and I'm going to have a drink, and that's going to give me a couple more hours. And then I'm going to sleep like a baby. And somehow I had this dummy idea that i slept good on it and people are just like you don't sleep good enough. like i do but uh um you know it, it reached a point for me i early on years ago i had a girlfriend who uh suffered from genetic alcoholism mm -hmm. i'm gonna call it and her father had the same weekend alcoholic sort of thing she wouldn't drink during the week and neither would he but when he would come home during the weekend from friday when he came home he would go down into his, you know, one of those old tiki bars in the 60s and 70s and drink himself uh, to oblivion for the whole weekend until Monday. And then he would get up and be a functioning banker for Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. And she mirrored that, whether through addiction or habit, but she definitely had an issue where when she would drink, she would physiologically change. It was like Dr. Jekyll and, and Mr. Hyde, right. where she, her face would change, like everything about her would change. And instead of being a fun sort of drinker, like, I don't know if you were, but I was, um, she would become very angry and very and very aggressive, and she would amp up to a whole different level. It was, it was like two different people. And mm -hmm. she had a problem with addiction where if she couldn't get to it, she would drink whatever she could, whether it was Vicks NyQuil or even hairspray. Mm -hmm. um, she would drink it if she needed it. Um, and so I saw that, what that life was like. And she, uh, you know, I eventually moved on and had to move on. And she eventually died of mm. technically alcoholism. She died of potassium deficiency. Because wow. alcohol depletes your potassium and takes the vitamins out of your system. And she eventually died of that. And it was a very sad story that her daughter found her. And, you know, I was, I was close to her daughter. And, and, and uh, so we're still friends this day. But seeing the damage that took uh, played a toll. And so I think that's important. You know, she, she had reached several crisis points in her life of going to AA, uh, being put in a facility to try and control her uh, rehab. Um, she almost killed someone with a car drunk driving, you know, she had to have the whole thing installed. So I watched that go, but it really didn't affect me. And I went on a journey with my health where I was losing weight. I was becoming veganese. I was eating more healthy, trying to lose weight. And but the meantime, I was drinking the whole time. It just reached a point for me where I was like, I, 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 I was just like, I'm tired of that hangovers. You know, you mm -hmm. get older and you can't. You can't do it. And I mean, I would have right. three beers and have a hangover the next morning. And, right. and I started listening to my body and I would feel just how it would drag for three days, the dehydration, the water gain, you know, I'd feel bloated the next morning after drinking because your body's trying to recompensate for the thing. And I was just, you know, it just finally just came to the point where it's like, man, these two or three hours on a Friday night or, you know, whatever night I was drinking, just doesn't, it's, it's three days of drag. You know, it's just like, it hurts. I love that you're bringing this up because that is a really big part of, of changing your relationship with alcohol, which is what you did, right? Mm -hmm. um, there is the substance abuse part, the substance. Um, 
But once the substance is out of your body, it's a neurological habit. It's something we go to because we're used to it. And the only way that we can change our relationship with it is to develop an awareness of how it's treating us. We have what I call this romanticism about mm-hmm. it that does not equate with reality. And what I try and do in, in the devotional and my um, free resource and, and in my coaching is solve for what's called, and I'm sure you know this, cognitive dissonance, which is believing two competing thoughts about the same thing. And, <laughs> right? Yeah. I love alcohol. I needed to have fun. I can't go on vacation without it. You know, it's like, it won't be romantic. It won't, like, I, I, I'll lose all my friends versus, oh my gosh, I have hangovers. I can't sleep at night. I'm gaining weight. This is so bad. Mm-hmm. I got to quit, right? Which is true, yeah. which is true. And you have to just remind yourself and hadn't developed this awareness. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. You developed an awareness of going, wait, this is not meeting my goals. My, mm-hmm. I have different goals for myself for the future. And, um, you know, faith-based, I, I tell people that they, you know, God has a better plan, get out of his way. <laughs> like, but, uh, you know, so there is a better plan. There is a better life and having that hope. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've coached people out of rehab. You've got to solve it medically first and get, mm-hmm. you know, detox and have your body um, go back into a state of homeostasis, but then you're still left with the habit, the thought patterns, and and those need to change. Yeah. And like you say, what you're talking about with these excuses and habits and and the, the ways we kind of BS ourselves through, you know, uh, well, you know, whatever, and uh, have a little drink or, you know, it, it always, I would always be like, yeah, I'll just have one glass. And then to, <laughs> I know uh, that one. I yeah. heard that one before Sometimes in my I'll head. Just, <laughs> yeah. just like, well, I'll just, I'll just pour a little, I'll just pour a little cup more of, of the, of the vodka there. I'll just, I'll just have half a shot that I normally have. And then you're just like, ah, fuck it. And, and I, you know, I, I, I used it for a fuel. It, I, I think, I don't know, it turned to sugar for me, is, uh, which I think it does for a lot of people in the system, if I understand it correctly. And so it was a fuel. I mean, I could literally, you know, I was better at everything when I did alcohol. I would party. I would, I would uh, you know, I could stay up later. I had energy. Um, you know, I used to go to Sundance, uh, and Sundance is like, night-long parties all night long i mean you you do parties at the clubs and then it goes up to the houses in the hills in sundance i i think there were some times where we i spent whole weeks uh being drunk um you know and then i get up the next morning pound a pound a rock star uh and then keep going and then i started experiencing as i got older dehydration and i'm like what's going on and i, I started crashing physically and my friends are like you need to hydrate you need to take uh you know different things to hydrate yourself and i'm like why and they're like you're getting old stupid doesn't work anymore and uh good De- dehydrates your brain and your yeah. brain is the operating system for everything in your body yeah. um yeah i mean it's how we breathe how our heart beats uh you know how we respond to things how we think and that's why when we move it to the side or mental clarity, we can sleep better. We just have more energy. But yeah, I know what you're saying because when I drank, I could stay up really late. And, and now it's uh, 10 o'clock is late for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of getting to be that same way. But, you know, one thing I didn't understand is it is a toxin to your body. It is oh, not yeah. a natural compound. It is a toxin. And the reason you get drunk and you get that wild feeling in your head is because you're poisoned. You poison yourself. And I had to really come to terms with that. The other thing that I didn't understand at the time or really didn't you know, want to accept, I suppose, was it really affects as a man, your testosterone. Um, and we already have a lot of problems as men in this world where we have so many of these estrogenic uh, chemicals in plastics and everything else, soaps and everything else, and chemicals. I mean, it's so bad that women are getting their periods earlier. Um, and there's so much estrogenics in our food and, and chemicals, plastic mm-hmm. and all this stuff that we're exposed to. We already have a low testosterone level. 
And so it drops your testosterone immensely. And I found since I quit drinking and also getting a lot of estrogenics out of my out of my soaps and cleaners and everything that my body's exposed to, um, that it's it's done just great things for my testosterone. And I'm 55 now, and so men at my age in our late 40s and our 50s our testosterone falls off heavily. In fact, you mm -hmm. really want to go get tested and stuff. And it, you know, it, if you're, if you're a man and your testosterone drops off, you know, you start having problems uh, with cancers and other things that come up women, especially too, if they, if they, if their estrogen comes up or down, there's issues with that. And uh, I just started looking at it. And I'm like, you know, it's really time I quit. I just, and the, the money I was spending too, Jesus, oh. I was, you know, buying, <laughs> buying, a, buying a bottle of vodka that, you know, <laughs> some nice Tito's or something. And I think it's like 40 bucks a pop for a liter. I, I cannot believe, and I try <laughs> and tell people that like the money that I save, because I like going, you know, fine dining is a, is yeah. a thing. And, yeah. and I go out to dinner and I order whatever I want. And without the alcohol, I think alcohol adds like 60%. <laughs> and I went out, I live in Scottsdale, so I live by some resorts. Oh, yeah. And I told, I brought a friend out. I love going to the happy hours at the resorts because they're beautiful resorts and they're right mm -hmm. around the corner from me. So when I have company, I go there and I bought my friend a drink. It was 20 bucks. I was like, what? <laughs> 20 bucks for one drink? So, um, yeah, that was, it just... Every time I go out now, I'm grateful for the meal I got without the added unnecessary expense. And I'm also grateful to drive home and not have to worry about. Oh, yeah. You know, hey, you're like, am I buzzed? Am I over the thing? Uh, what if I get pulled over? I might be at the edge. You know, they. Me, they yeah. Let me just they, be honest. I was always probably more than, and I'm just so grateful. Mm -hmm. that he didn't kill someone else. I didn't kill myself. You know what I mean? I just, I look back and I'm like, what I could have done that I mm -hmm. didn't, I just, again, as you say, wasn't not honest with myself about the problem that I had created. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you identify something that we do with any sort of addiction, food, mm -hmm. not, not meeting our goals, not procrastinating or procrastinating, you know, not doing what we need to do. Um, you know, pick your addiction, pick your problem, pick your issue in life. You know, you're not focusing on what you do. And I, and I can see looking back how much it affected the quality of my life, how, how much it really affected my performance. And the whole time I thought I was doing really better with it. It really wasn't. And you're not in a healthy state of mind. You know, when you spend the next day just <laughs> hung over, and, mm -hmm. you know, I started losing days. That was the other problem. I would lose the next day. And then for three days, I would just feel the drag. My body was dehydrated, the bloating, and then I'd have to, I'd have to lose all the bloating. And, and you're just, you, your body was just going through this three to four day cycle of, of uh you know you hit it hard for a couple of days then you're feeling it and just more and more it would become prevalent and then you know sometimes losing a couple of days you know being hungover and you're just like i'm gonna go nap for a while and that hurt and the brain and the kidney you know it feel like someone kicked me in the liver the next morning you know and you're just like what am I doing to myself? I mean, and, yeah. I, and I would go through the cycle where I'd be like, okay, I'm going to quit drinking for a day, a few days and clean up. And then, and then I just go do it again. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like two or three hours of fun is three days of hell. How and many it, times did you quit before you were able to be successful with it though? I don't, I, I it, it kind of just wound down for me. Like there wasn't any moment of clarity. It just wound down where I was just sick of it. And, you know, part of it was getting healthier and eating healthier and veganese. And I, you know, I was losing all this weight, but then the problem was I kept trying to lose weight. But when you're drinking, you know, your body responds to the drinking and dehydration from it by loading up on, on, uh, on, uh, water. And so I would get this bloating for like two or three days that I'd be carrying where your body's trying to retain all the water it can to fight off well this idiot wants to drink for a day or two let's uh make sure we load up on water and you know so my weight would fluctuate 
Mm-hmm. And I just would feel it more and more. And just like, getting in tune with your body is really important. Absolutely. And, and I just, you know, I think I'd, I'd overcome the lies I've been telling myself with food and the excuses like we've talked about. And uh, going on that journey, you know, you talk in your book, let's, let's get to some of this. You talk in your book about how, um, you know, God and the importance of religion to you. Uh, you know, I think most of my audience knows I'm an atheist, but people need things to go through life. They need things to experience. And, and certainly I understand the journey of, you know, AA is really big into this, that sometimes you've got to put your, yourself in the hands of, of a higher power of, 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 you know, you you kind of have to realize that maybe you don't have all the answers <laughs> because the yeah. answers you're using aren't working clearly, right? Right. So uh, let's let's talk about why that's important to people that are dealing with these issues and and how much a difference it made for you. Yeah, and you know, so I I was faith based, um, and I did love Jesus and read the Bible all the time. But as we all make excuses and see the word, we're like, yeah, 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 God, that's patience. That's a really nice thing, but I don't have it. (laughs) Yeah, 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 God, you know, drunkenness. But how do I survive? You know, it's just I convinced myself that there you cannot live life without alcohol. I had started at 13 to fit in high school to have fun. I think you mentioned like the business, the occasional drink at lunch, Monday night, happy hour conference. You know, know, I used it for romanticism, you know, with my um, then husband, it it was, it was pervasive. And then I had, uh, you know, a stressful job, a difficult marriage, kids, I'm trying to balance everything. So now it's stress. I need it after and and look at our TV shows, right? You any TV show, you just crack and open the beer or open up the glass, beautiful glass of wine to relax after work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I fell into all of those things, um, but all the time, I think you're. For me, it was like I know I'm capable of more. I know I was meant to do more. I was know I was created to do more. I know I have gifts. And I wasn't using any of them. I had literally lost all of who I was by engaging in these things. And so from, I went through the secular program and I learned all these concepts. Uh, you know, of course I was praying to God, oh, please make this go away. I promise you, God, I'm not going to do that. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm not only breaking promises with myself, I was breaking promises with God, which is like not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, So just um, I went through this program and I transformed like I couldn't believe. And I'm like, why? What? Like I'm trying to go through the church to get this transformation and I have to go outside the church to be transformed. Having said that, most of what I learned in the secular program, I recognized as biblical principles like gratitude and, um, you know, renewal of your mind. Uh, There's this concept now of neuroplasticity where years ago, right, we used to just think there's a diseased brain and you have to live with it and you just can't change it. But now Hmm. science science will share that you can change it. Um, Oh, excuse me, I lost my thing. so I was just going, wait, you know, there's a, there's a scripture that says, put all, put on the full armor of God. Yeah. That was another like, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that's a really nice concept. But, <laughs> but, then, but then when I, uh, it's like the difference between knowing and doing, right. Mm-hmm. But when I started examining it and like the first principle of putting on all the ar- armor of God is putting on the belt of truth. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're talking about what we've been talking about in the show, right? Is mm-hmm. this is about awareness and the truth of how it's affecting you and exposing the lie <laughs> that you're telling yourself. Um, you know, and as I went through the process, I just felt 
more connected, more I, I, I developed purpose. I think that purpose is to, to show light to others, to show that there's a, a possibility for something more, to know that you were created for something with a gift. We all know we have a gift. Everyone mm-hmm. knows they have a gift. And whether or not it's something like, I wish I had always done, or I don't have time to do that. So in this 12-week process, I really encourage people to just find that gift, that innate gift, because that, and use it, because that's what creates joy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, because now they have time, because before, you, you, you've summarized it so well for me, <laughs> before um, people would spend their time drinking, recovering from drinking and thinking yeah. about how to quit drinking. That's a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the thing is, so people can quit for, you know, a month by white knuckling it, but then they're just looking forward to drinking on day 31, you know, mm-hmm. or day 41 or day 32, if it's dry January or sober October day 41, if they're quitting for Lent and, um, so what happens is after the first month, you start getting a little, like you're excited the first month, you do it, then you're like bored. Like, how am I gonna live like this? <laughs> <laughs> and so we really talk a lot about finding your gifts and um, enjoying life with things that you were created to enjoy it for and using mm-hmm. those gifts to help other people, to give light to other people. and. You know, I just really want people to go through that transformation so that I give them a choice to choose. It's 12 weeks. And most programs, I think, you know, if you go to rehab, you go to AA, a lot of programs are like, well, you got a problem, you got to do this forever. And instead of making them victim to it, I want to empower people with the ability ability to choose. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what you've done, right? You mm-hmm. you choose going forward because life is so much better yeah go ahead i i yes i started sampling i mean i it basically dwindled down for me where i was just like i'm tired of feeling shit i'm tired of the hangover the next day and i'm losing a i'm losing days like it would be i started looking at my week and i'm like okay i'm drinking you know a half a bottle of vodka every night every other night um and i'm losing days like i'll lose the next day and sometimes i'll lose the second day you know where i'm just not functioning and i was just like struggling to function i was like i need to do work i need to work on my business and and yet i would go to sleep it would it would hurt the podcast i would go on a podcast and i'd just be like drained dehydrated beaten up my brain wouldn't be in focus i couldn't be as funny anymore and you know, I started backing it off. I'm like, okay, well, I'll downgrade from vodka. I'll I'll just drink beer, which is just awful because I, beer and me just don't work together. I, all it does <laughs> is make me want to pee like all the time. And it just goes, I don't know why vodka has a different whole experience for me. But so I'm like, okay, I'll drink beer. And then finally it just got to the point where I think uh, like three beers sat in my fridge for like a year. And I just, it just dwindled down for me and it wound down to where I was just like, uh, and then I, you know, I'd have a beer and I'm like, this tastes like garbage. And, and I would still get hangover. And I'm like, okay, we're just not, screw this, man. I'm tired of everything hurting, my body hurting. You, you kind of reach an age, you know, I'm 55 now. And when you wake up at 55, at least for me, it, stuff hurts. It's like, it's like spin the wheel pain day of like a <laughs> knee here, stub your toe there. Uh, back here, you know, and I'm, I'm doing pretty good for my life, but you know, you just kind of stuff doesn't work right anymore. And you're just like, you know, you've got to have, I got you know, there's a lot of coffee that has to be drinking and, and you know, you've got to hydrate and I've got all the salts and, you know, all the crap to keep me going and 50,000 tons of vitamins. And, you know, and right. so it just, it just kind of wound down for me and, and, you know, you've spoken this, that you, you quit telling yourself the lies, you quit telling yourself the cons that you're doing to yourself and you get honest, right? It, it's harder than you think for people. I, you are an inspiration, I think, for people that can do it on their own. But a lot of people secretly suffer with this. Like, why can't I stop? Why can't I do this? They're beating themselves up. And while they're beating themselves up, 
it's getting worse. You know, yeah. they're drinking, they're drinking more because it's like, why bother? I'm a loser anyway, you know? <laughs> and, um, it, you know, it's like this slippery slope. And as you mentioned, it can, well, it, it does depend on our genes. Some people can get trapped in this in the first year or two and very mm -hmm. young. As, as the statistics I share, the statistics of 20% of deaths are alcohol-related between ages of 20 and 49, that's like that's early on. I'm I'm 60-something, unfortunately, <laughs> but I feel very young. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but I, you know, it took me decades to, to mm -hmm. get there, but eventually we'll all get there because as you say, it, it's a substance and it, it eventually starts controlling us as opposed to us controlling it. Mm -hmm. And I, I love the fact that we're just here talking about it and not making it shameful because that's, you know, I, I used to um, be a heavy, heavy smoker and I quit and I quit kind of, the same way you quit alcohol. It was um, because it was killing me. I didn't, I wasn't a cigarette-aholic, a smoke-aholic. I didn't recover from it. Um, I just, those words for me, the, AA is a very, there's many 12-step programs out there that it is actually known to be one of the best methodologies for, you know, getting through um substance abuse problems. Um, mm -hmm. However, I'm trying to address those people that thought like me with, mm -hmm. the, with the words and the shame that goes with the words. And I want to talk about and bring light to the fact that people are starting to notice the health community is starting to notice. I, I'm just seeing more and more articles, especially since COVID about um, the severity of the alcohol problem. I think we are going to see commercials disappear mm. eventually. I think that the warning labels are going to get far more severe about, mm. you know, the risk of cancer. I think, I think it's going to follow the trajectory of, of cigarettes. Um, I don't know if you know this, but at Super Bowl, Heineken ran its first non-alcoholic beer commercial. Yeah. That, that is big. That's a recognition that so, that people want something different. You mm -hmm. know, people are looking for something different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and 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 more of a healthier option too. You know, I honestly, I I did wind down it myself, but I probably could have used a third party intervention to really kick me in the head or go, hey man, you know, I I went. Uh, 20 years ago to my girlfriend's AA meetings. I went to two AA meetings with her because she wouldn't go. And I was like, look, I'll go with you as a support. And, you know, back then I wasn't very drinking heavily because I was seeing what she was doing. Um, and I think I was in my late 20s. And I said, look, I'll go to AA with you. And the stories at AA were horrifying. Mm -hmm. It was, it was, and it, it was actually really good for me because it, it made me realize that I had to make a choice of her with my life. And I had met one of her friend's husbands through AA who also had a problem. And she had his own business. And her married to her with kids was very destructive. And um, and I remember we, we had to do a mortgage one time because she ran off. And she, she was very angry and violent. Uh, and and uh, her psych physiology would change with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time she ran off to, she beat him and the kids and she ran off to Wendover, Utah, which is kind of like a little Vegas, uh, up there in Nevada. And, uh, she wrote a, uh, she basically wrote a check with a casino for $130,000, $150,000 against their house. Well, not really against their house, but she just, she basically did a credit check and, and wrote a, a check for 150 grand. And she blew in a weekend drunk as hell. Um, and I had to do the mortgage to bail him out, uh, uh, for his equity in his home to pay off the, the, the casino. And I remember he sat down with me and he goes, look, you know, this, this guy that you're engaged to, you need to make a choice with your life, but you need to understand that you are going to live with this for all of your life. This is going to be your life. She's going to fall off the horse. She's going to, she's going to go through, uh, ups and downs. You're going to, it's going to be costly. There might be lawsuits, um, certainly a few years after we broke up, um, she almost killed a guy 
which probably would have been a lawsuit my, for my company and my money. Um, and uh, she sideswiped him, uh, almost killed him, broke, uh, I think, his leg and his arm, and she had one of those things installed in her car. But uh, I had to make a choice in my life where I had to yeah. say, I'm, I'm, do I want to live this way? Do I want to have this person's problems in my life, or do I need to go and do my own thing? And so we all have those choices to make, but it was interesting to me that the horrors of, of what I heard in AA didn't still didn't awaken me um, to like, hey man, uh, this can really go bad. You know, I would hear these stories of people that would lose everything, their wife, their kids, their home, their business, everything. They'd be living under a Vidoc in a box. Then they do all this work, spend years recovering, and, um, you know, one day they would walk back into a bar Oh, I'll just have one drink and then they're back under the Vidoc again. And it was, it was horrifying and sad and, and just crippling the stories I would hear. And, but it, it helped sober me up at least to living a life that she had been living in and with addiction. And it, she, she, I mean, she really had a hard time. She was in and out of rehabs. Um, you know, her, her mother would constantly deal with it and it was just sad. It was, it was hard. It was a hard life. And so to me, this is a really important subject because you know, whether you're going through that extreme or a, a minor version of it, you just need to recognize that this isn't the best thing for your life. It isn't the best yeah. thing for your health. It is a toxin. You are toxifying yourself. And, right. you know, I went through the fantasy of, of buying wines and selling them in my house and shipping them in from California and that whole thing. Um, and it was great. It was it was kind of fun, and it was I interesting. Did that too. <laughs> I <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> you kind of con yourself into like, well, I'm living this sophisticated life. You know, <laughs> I had the big bar at the house. I threw the big parties. You know, and and uh, you know, you're like, well, I'm being sophisticated with the Dom Perignon and the expensive stuff. You know, I'm not an alcoholic, and you know, I, I all those sort of silly things that you do. But man, I got to tell you, being on the other side and not having to uh, wake up with a hangover. Being able to wake up feeling energized, having energy for the day, it is so much funner and nicer. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. That is actually uh, foundational principle number five, <laughs> my freedom <laughs> from alcohol <laughs> resource. But yeah, it's it's experiencing um, the prizes of running the race. And, mm. you know, it just you want to tell people, you know, I, I actually start with like, let's recognize what what's what this has cost us you know mm. and i love your story about the casino so we we talk about this in coaching a lot like every now and then it's like what's the real cost and it's just hysterical about the people the, the things that people don't realize well i was a cheap drunk like ten dollars a day and i'm like mm, I, I just that in and of itself is hard for me to understand but then we we kind of went through it and i'm like well how about you know when you go out to the restaurants or vacation or you know this all adds up you know you're buying somebody else a drink and she's like oh yeah there was that time at the casino where i was too drunk to get home and i had to buy a hotel room i'm like how about the money you spent at the casino like you know because i used to do that like drinking smoking and casinos go really well together and um i keep doing something to my earbuds but um you know it's costly when you start adding that up. And she's like, well, yeah, wait a minute. Then I used to take my elderly mother out once a week <laughs> to lunch and I'd order a couple of martinis for me, a martini for her. She had dementia. <laughs> I'd finish her martini. She goes, it was an $80 lunch. Yeah. You know, every yeah. week. And I'm like, we are, we just went from $10 a day to at least $40 a day. <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah getting back to your point about like this is amazing that's what i want people to realize is the lie in your head when you have a substance and you mm -hmm. and i get it you get it when we say i can't have fun without it i can't be romantic about it i can't go on vacation without it i can't have friends without it i just want i just want to sit right here today and tell you you're being you're lying to yourself and i you know are. it and i understand it and i feel it but give it a shot like put mm -hmm. it aside for 
12 weeks, long enough not to detox your body for 30 days, mm -hmm. long enough to experience all these amazing benefits. And then you go, wow, my life really is better, which is, yeah. what you're, which, which is exactly what you're saying. Yeah, and I, I, I think about it now, and, you know, it, it, there were so many, I was losing like two or three days a week, and I was, and I was <laughs> buying uh, $40 bottles, sometimes more, of, of Tito's vodka, so I'm buying expensive vodka. Then I'm mixing it with all sorts of crap, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, whatever I had in the house, sometimes you run out of your mixer, and you're, like, pouring nasty stuff into it just to, you know, take the edge off. <laughs> I just did it on the rocks. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. There you go. You know, and I, I was playing all sorts of games with myself. I'm like, you know what? I'll I'll go do bourbon. And I'll go do scotch, and then I'll you know I was just I I was always trying to search for the perfect hangover or non hangover. Like at one point, I was doing tequila with this tequila silver because it was the closest thing to a plan. It it was supposed to give you less of a hangover. You know, all sorts of games, and then I had a whole. I don't menagerie of con that I was doing at night. So when I would get drinking, I would take vitamin B. I take my vitamins. I drink like a half a gallon of water, uh, all this hydration uh, pills and stuff that you're supposed to take for hydration and, and stuff. And I'm like, I'll play this game and it kind of worked for a little bit. Like it would be like, okay, the hangover's not as bad. So if I just take my little cocktail of vitamins the night before, you know, and then people are like, hey, if you, you know, you drink and then you take a glass of water and then you take a drink and then you glass of water. I had so many games I was playing to, to beat the hangover. And finally, I just like, you know, hey, you know what? You're old. Your body doesn't recover as well. You're you've you've, you've kind of worn ground down the machine. And yeah, just and, and to me, life is richer, like getting up, uh, doing what I want enjoying my podcast, enjoying other things. It's so much richer and never having to worry about downtime where I'm just like, you know, the whole day where you're the next day, you're just like, I'm just going to lay in bed in the fetal position and everything hurts. My brain hurts. You know, you're trying to, and you know, all the Tylenol you're taking, if you're really familiar with Tylenol and see the, that's bad it, when you combine oh, it with alcohol. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it kill your liver. It, it, it's really awful medicine for you. And so, you know, it just, it just, I, I just reached a point where I'm just like, uh, I'm just not doing it anymore. Um, so this is great. And I'm glad you coach people through it because people probably need to reach out. I mean, you can do the wind down thing that I do, but I probably abused myself for way too many years when really I should have said, Hey, uh, maybe we should call in somebody to help me and coach me and kick me in the head a little bit. Um, and, and take this on because, you know, sometimes you're not the best person to fix your problems. Well, and as you know, like you went to the AA meetings and people talk about it. And I talk, you know, I do a lot of research, whether it's scientific research or just people that haven't drank in 30 years. And I'm like, well, what made the difference? And a lot of times they're not going to AA anymore. And I'm like, well, what was the biggest part of it? And 100% of the answers, the other people and the connection of the other people doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I want to share that because that's what I'm trying to do is like, let's all just admit this is like, it's controlling us. We're not controlling it. And let's get together and talk about it. <laughs> and so we don't feel alone. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you know, when I um, talk to people and they know what I do, a lot of people will come up and go, I don't even like drinking. And I order a drink at the bar just to fit in. Yeah. And it's just this pressure to drink when you're, you know, and mixed company. Mm. And I, th I find that now when I go out to social situations, I give, I, I have people either say, wow, I wish I could do that. Like <laughs> come to a bar and not drink or other people choose not to order a drink because I'm not, you know, you're giving people permission mm -hmm. to not drink who don't want to drink anyway. Yeah. So it it's really is a great group discussion, um, you know, and and getting out of your head, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, getting out of your head is a big part of this. Yeah, and and you're right. People do that social drinking because they they feel peer pressure. You know, I've had friends that have alcohol problems, and they they order duels or you know the non alcoholic stuff. 
And I've had, I've had people talk about the shame uh, of that. And you know what? I don't, I just, maybe I just reached a point where I don't give a heck what other people think, but I also just like, you know, I just order Coke. If anybody asks, you know, uh, what I'm drinking, uh, you know, if you feel shamed, say Coke and rum. They don't know. Like I've never had anybody say, Oh, let me see what you're really drinking there, Chris. That looks like Coke and rum or, you know, like a, a vodka Red Bull, you know, you're like, you know, you can just order a Red Bull and people don't know. And so I've never, I've never had anybody say, Hey, I think you're lying to me. I'm going to, let me drink your drink and see if it's really a Coke and rum. Oh, oh, there's no rum in there, but you're lying. No one cares. Yeah. No one really yeah. cares. I, I do. I do share that with people that, you know, maybe when they start the journey, they have to stay out of social situations because they don't feel strong enough. But at some point they'll feel strong enough to, to go in it. And, yeah. um, and, and then I say, just be proud of your choice. I, I, mm -hmm. my dr go-to drink is generally soda, water, cranberry, and lime, which mm -hmm. they don't even charge you for in a lot of places. Really? I, I'm willing to pay for it, but a lot of places don't even charge. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I get a lot like, oh, what are you drinking? It looks so good. <laughs> so people ask me that a lot, and I just tell them what I'm drinking. But I, that's actually what I coach is be proud of your choice yeah. to be alcohol-free. Just be proud of it. When you say, or here's another thing that people um, talk about, they uh like, how do you respond when somebody goes, well, why aren't you drinking? And I would go, well, I'm just challenging myself. It was just kind of like making me feel kind of bad. Do you really think there's anybody that questions that statement that is a drinker? Like no. You know what's you know what's funny is it's kind of a brag, a flex, and it's kind of your own shaming that you're doing to other people. Because I'll I I'll tell people I'm like, no, no, I gave up drinking. And like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I didn't ever have an addiction problem, but it just, I just got tired of it. And so I quit and it's more healthy and it raises my testosterone. Um, and they'll, and they, they just, then, then the shame's on them. They just kind of look at you like, I wish I could do what you're doing. And I'm like, well, exactly. you know, it sucks to be you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, shame back. Just, just, just pass that ball back over the net. But you know, this is a big revelation <laughs> for people stuck in this belief that they have to drink. And when they first yeah. experience this, well, wait, people are curious. How do you do that? Yeah. They're like, how do you do that? How do you like, I God, I wish you could be like you. And you're like, yeah, you do. Sucks to be you, man. I'm like, yeah. You, you have see? a problem. I know. Fuck you. <laughs> you get to be an inspiration. So, yeah. 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 So there's no more shame. You're putting shame on them. So I like that. <laughs> I don't like to think of it that way. I like to think of it as <laughs> being an inspiration for other people to make good choices. Yeah. I'm either an inspirational or a narcissist who likes, uh, you know, being my own thing. So I don't well, know. It's a thing. Well, the other thing is, I don't want to shame people into drinking i don't I, you know there's i this is everybody's choice i don't want yeah. to be judgmental about it i'm addressing the people who are secretly suffering and going i need to do something about this what do i do i can't do it i can't do it um if you're drinking and you're not having a problem with it and it's not affecting your health or your sleep or anything like it's a free world right? we we just make our choices and, um, you know, in, in terms of my faith, I, you know, we get to choose God, not choose God, make choices all over the place. And I just, I want to be choice-based. And, mm -hmm. uh, and for me, it's just understanding the consequences of that particular choice are very clear to me. <laughs> very clear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it makes all the difference in the world. And uh, one thing I'll, I know we're running a little bit long here, but one thing we're, uh, one thing I thought it did was I thought it helped me sleep better. Mm. And it it doesn't. It actually makes a horrible sleep. My kids, so I have grown children, and what I love about me doing this, and they drink, mm -hmm. all of them do, and I don't, you know, I'll, they just see what I'm doing. But they're all having this awareness come up. Like my oldest son, he has, you know, a Garmin watch. He's pretty healthy, but he likes to drink too. And he's like, Mom, I noticed, like, even when I have two drinks, my 
my drinking. I mean, my sleep is not as good. And that's all I want. That's all I want is for them to, nobody told me this when I was young. I just want people to develop awareness about the substance and what it's doing to our bodies. Yeah. yeah. Plus it's, you know, if you're trying to be healthy, it's really dumb. I'll just say that it, it's really dumb. And that's kind of what I came to the conclusion. Like here I am trying to eat healthy, lose weight, take care of my body, listen to my body, and I'm still drinking. Like, yeah. you know, you're, I mean, I, I'm eating salads and vegetables and healthy foods and telling people how great it is. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm shoving toxins into my body that, you know, I used to do with Big Macs or whatever, you know, fast food. And, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, you see people that are like, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to work out and I'm going to go walk a mile and I'm going to do my steps and I'm going to eat my food right and we eat healthy foods and not go to McDonald's and then I'm going to pound half a bottle of vodka. <laughs> oh, I did I did that. I was I was going to a really, you know, I had a personal trainer and it was they were pushing me hard and I'd always go, well, I got to train at 6 a.m. I can't drink tonight. So that was my motivation, but you know, come Sunday and there's a Chargers game. I was in San Diego. And we'd go to the game. I'd be drinking all day long. And whatever mm -hmm. benefit I made during the week, I threw away single-handedly on one day of drinking and eating. It was horrendous. But, yeah, well, I played that game, too. <laughs> well, you know, after you watch Philip Rivers throw uh, sabotage enough games, you do drink. Uh, I'm oh, a yeah. Fan. Oh, I'm a Raiders no. fan, so there's oh, there's no. a lot of drinking that goes on with the games where you're just like, seriously, are we losing three games into the season and not going to make the playoffs again for the 20th year in a row? Uh, yeah. I, I actually went to the Super Bowl with the Raiders in it. Oh, did you? Was that it the was one that Tom Brady it. stole it from us? <laughs> I, I can't remember. I, I It was in San Diego. Huh. And and the Raiders fans were really nice because I always used to be a really? Raiders fans. Yeah, at the yeah. Super Bowl they were. Huh. That's, <laughs> I, I think a different contingency goes to the Super Bowl because the tickets are expensive than goes yeah. to the normal games. I went to a Raiders, the only Raiders game I've ever been to, uh, and I need to go to the new Las Vegas Coliseum. But uh, the Ra only Raiders games I went to was the San Francisco <laughs> Raiders game, and the and the. Uh, the violent, it was like being at a, and I've been a Raiders fan all my life, but it was like being in a prison yard. And I, I've never been fewer times afraid for my life. And I'm a big guy. I'm a strong guy. Uh, and I, and I have a, I have a kind of resting bitch face. So people see me and they're going, leave him alone. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I can get a look like you really don't want to screw with me. Um, but I've never been so afraid in my life. I think there were fights breaking out because the, the, uh, San Francisco, and I think the Chargers kind of have, I don't know, I never went to charge the game, but, but, uh, you know, the, the thing between the Raiders and the charge and the Raiders are, are pretty crazy. And the amount of fights that broke out, um, were just insane, but you know, Philip Rivers was a great quarterback. I, I don't think he ever did. He ever nope. get a Super Bowl ring? No, nope, nope. He was nope. like he was like Tony Romo. He was like so great, and then and then he would just collapse somewhere. So uh, anyway, enough jokes. I don't want to lose the the Chargers crowd. Um, <laughs> but uh, you guys kind of got betrayed there with the whole move to L.A. What was that about? Oh Jesus. yeah, no, that'll cause like... drinking right there. <laughs> yeah, that was just horrible. Yeah, I thought horrible. that was a little. Rude. I mean, the the Raiders needed a new Coliseum, and Oakland was not good, and that Coliseum was not good for us sharing that baseball team. I used to watch us scramble through the through the damn dirt from the baseball diamond. I'm like, what what is going on over here? Why can't we do better? But I'm happy now with where we're at, and Las Vegas is such a cool city anyway. So, but yeah, go. San Diego needs to have its own. It's a beautiful place. It needs to have its own. Uh, no its professional. Own no professional sports survive. Yeah. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Baseball's still there. Uh, Padres are still there, but that's about it. There you go. There you go. Well, <laughs> it'll probably change. I don't know. Maybe they'll move back or whatever. But it's kind of rude. Like if you're a Chargers fan, I'm like, what a betrayal. Oh I mean, yeah, it was heartbreaking. Really there you go. heartbreaking. Well, don't drink yeah. over it. Yeah, um, so yeah. it's been wonderful to cite you, and I think we've made some great stories and hopefully inspired some people. Uh, how can people reach out to you, Rose? Get to know you better and uh, and uh, what you're doing, and maybe get some help. 
Yeah, again, I'm www.theplansyhasforme.com and then slash boss for your free um, resource. And then I just this week started my own podcast. It's called oh, Say, wow. yeah, Say Goodbye and Imagine. Seems pretty consistent with our talk, right? There you go. <laughs> yeah, I just want people to understand, um, you know, stories about what's possible when they say goodbye to something that they're afraid to say goodbye to. Definitely. So. Don't be afraid to say goodbye to this stuff. It's it's a toxin, man. I mean, just study the science of it. It's you're, right. you're poison. It is poison you're putting in your thing, and it's not fun. And your life is going to be so much better for it if you're a man, especially in your older ages. Please, the the amount of testosterone it drains out of your system is I intense, and I imagine it does some damage with women. You know, if you do have more, too much testosterone, it's more toxic to women. Yeah. Actually. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 The science is it affects women far more seriously than men. Yeah. I imagine so with hormones and, but I mean, I, I, if you well, have too smaller, much. They're usually smaller mm -hmm. and they're drinking stronger drinks and I don't know the yeah. way their body processes it. It's just really not good. And that's, yeah. So. Yeah, and too much estrogen or too much testosterone can lead to different cancers and and different things. And you know, when you get older, man, you don't need cancer in your life. Uh, I highly yeah. recommend not having it. So there you go. Um, so it's great that people have this. Uh, and uh, thank you very much for being on the show. We really appreciate Rose. Uh, thanks for having me. It's been fun. There you go. Uh, folks, order up the book wherever fine books are sold. Uh, it's available now on Amazon and other places. The Plans He Has for Me, a 12-step daily devotional for freedom from alcohol by Rose Ann Forte. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time. And that should have us out, Rose.